We thank You for sending Your Son to die on that cruel cross for our sins. Lord, we praise You for how much You loved us, though we were unlovable. While we were yet enemies, You died for us. While we were yet sinners, You died for us. Thank You for being such a gracious, merciful, wonderful God. We just pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. John chapter 12, we've gotten through um, verse 30. And so we'll start in verse 31. The Bible says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now I will explain. That's going to happen later on. Uh, he's cast out in some sense that at that point. But when we look at the casting out of heaven, that's Revelation chapter 12. That's the midpoint of the seven, uh, seven uh, years of Daniel's 70th week. So we'll look at that here in a moment. But verse 32, and if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come from upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Interesting that he hid himself there though. Uh, But go on back to verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. And then he says again, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. So hold your place here and look at chapter 14, verse 30, talking about the prince of this world. Uh, Verse 28, Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it come to pass, ye might believe. So, they didn't, weren't looking forward to the cross. They, when it came to pass, they would believe at that time after the resurrection. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. So that may be why he hid himself too. The prince of this world's coming. He's got a, um, he, he can't tell them everything. Uh, 1 Corinthians says, Had the prince of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So had Satan understood what the ramifications were of the cross, where Christ died on that cross, then he would not have caused Judas Iscariot to, or or indwelled in Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot made his own choice, but he chose to allow Satan to influence him. Satan would never have influenced him had Satan understood the ramifications of the cross. The greatest event that ever happened in all of human history was Jesus Christ dying on the cross and subsequently the resurrection because the resurrection is what gives us hope. It gives us life. So he talks about that there. And then there's another verse I want you to look at. It's chapter 16. So it's John 16. Verse 11. Well, you could uh, look at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is excellent. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. That's, that's pretty cool. The Comforter's coming. That's the Holy Ghost living within you. And when he has come, he'll reprove the world of sin 
and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to the Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So again, the prince of this world is going to be judged. He is judged. But yet, he is still alive. He is still able to walk to and fro between heaven and earth. He spends most of his time in heaven as the accuser of the brethren. But one day, halfway through that that seven-year period yet to come after the rapture of the church, one day is coming when Michael's going to cast him down to the earth and woe be the inhabitants of the earth according to the Bible. He's going to go right into the temple, the abomination of desolation, desecrate the temple. The Jews are going to realize they've been betrayed. And they're told, when you see that abomination, flee to the mountains. Don't come down to your house. Don't take anything out. Just flee. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself because that's yet to come in the future. So in your Bible, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I want to look at the prince of this world a little bit first because I think we need to establish some things about him. He is known as Satan, the devil, Lucifer. God created him, but God created him perfect. By the way, Adam was created perfect. By the way, Eve was created perfect. Until Eve was deceived, ate of the forbidden tree, gave to her husband. Adam was not deceived, but Adam chose to love her more than he loved God. He also ate and he disobeyed God. But both of those two were perfect. So let me ask you something. If you were just perfect, would you be able to live without sin on this earth, in this um, economy, let's call it? No. We'd be no better than Adam and Eve, no better than Lucifer, who was you know, the anointed cherub that covered the throne of God. And yet what happened? Pride came in. And pride is why he chose to lead one-third of the angels to follow him. So again, you can't blame God. God gives man the freedom of choice. If you can't choose, then everything you do, you blame God. That's it. Even after the thousand years of Satan being bound, He's going to be loosed for a season. He's going to go out and deceive the the nations. Why? Because those nations are going to be given a choice. You want to serve God? Yes. Or serve yourself? You're tired of this 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ? And boy, they're going to follow that in, in a heartbeat. Why? Because that's sinful man. Because those that are born naturally in the millennium, though their parents have eternal life, the children, will, the offspring will have you know, those mortal bodies. They will choose to follow Satan, many of them, and they're going to be destroyed at the end of that thousand years. Then there'll be no more sin. This is the whole Bible laid out. Boy, it's good to know the future. It's good to know historically before it happens what's going to happen. Because God's in control. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and you hath he quickened. What does quickened mean? It means made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. 
So what, he, what is he talking? He says, the prince of this world. Before you got saved, you walked according to the course of this world. Now, by the way, you can still choose to walk that course. You'll have to fight God and fight the Spirit of God that lives within you, but you can still walk that course. In whom the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air, works in the children of disobedience, but he still can work in you if you choose to let him. It's all up to choice. It, and, and that's what I don't understand anybody that says we don't have free will. How can anybody believe that? Going back to John. Well, I tell you what, um, look at Hebrews 2 before we go back. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. Look at... um, Verse 13, and again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I am the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Talking about Jesus, that through death, through Christ's death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I don't have fear of death. But if I wasn't saved, I would hope that I would fear death. Man, people today, they fear death because they don't have hope. They don't have the hope that comes from the relationship that you get through Jesus Christ. So yes, there is a fear of death. But all that's destroyed because Christ died for our sins. Look at um, John chapter 12 again. And look at verse 31 again, and then we'll go to verse 32. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of the world be cast out. And if I, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. How many will he draw unto him? All. What's all mean? It means all. Everyone. So, in order to emphasize that, well, look at, look at chapter 6 first, and look at um, verse 44. Now, this is where it gets confusing, but it is not confusing at all. John 6, 44, No man can come to me, come to Jesus, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. So nobody can come to the Father unless nobody can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The Father so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So God gives the Son, he goes to the cross. Because of that, the Father draws all men unto him. But if you're not drawn, you can't come. Well, the simple solution is everybody's drawn because Jesus died on the cross. If I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, but you can't come to the Father unless the Father draws you. But the whole point is he's got to go to the cross or there'll be no drawing. That's all there is to it. And it's so simple, yet you have people that make whole doctrines on this thing. And it destroys churches. You get a Calvinistic mindset, you won't think that it's that important to witness because you'll think, well, you know, it's just up to God. Why do I have to be involved? 
Uh, they're gonna, you know, if he, if they're gonna be saved, they're gonna be saved. If they're part of the elect, blah 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 blah. Unfortunate, very much unfortunate. So let's look at Romans chapter three. To me, it's one of the greatest passages in the Bible on salvation. Romans chapter three. <clears throat> You talk about the Romans road, this isn't part of what they call the Romans road, but it's a pretty important passage in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 3, we'll start in a lot of good places. But verse 19, Romans 3.19, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. What's the purpose of the law according to Romans 3.19? Just to show you you're guilty. And to stop every mouth from bragging. Oh, I'm good enough. You ever read the law? You're not. You're guilty. That's all the law is for. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, the Bible says. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So, nobody's justified by the law. The law just gives you a knowledge of sin. That's why I told you this morning about a a child. That child doesn't have knowledge of the law. That child, before the age of accountability, does not have the capacity, the mental capacity, to understand right and wrong. Therefore, it's before the age of accountability should that child die without being baptized, without being sprinkled, without any of man-made religious manipulation. That child goes to heaven because it's before the age of accountability. They don't understand the law. By the law is the knowledge of sin. If they can't understand the law, they don't have the knowledge of sin. Verse 21, here we go. But now, look at those three words, but now the righteous of God without the law is manifest being witnessed by the law and the prophets. He's saying, look, this, the, the righteous of God is manifested. Who, who through? Through Jesus on the cross. Verse 22, here it is. Here it is. I, I, don't miss this. Even the righteous of God, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto who? And upon all them that believe, for there's no difference, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. So the righteousness of God is unto all. What does that mean? That means He'll draw all men, but it doesn't mean all men will accept. But it's unto all, but there's a a caveat, but it's only upon all them that believe. So somebody believes, it's upon them. Did everybody have the offer? It's unto all. The righteousness of God, that perfect righteousness is unto everybody, but it's only upon all them that believe. That to me, I mean, that along with several hundred other passages, but that is one of the clearest ones I believe in the Bible. So, let's go back to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. So he talks about in verse 31, the prince of this world. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Unless the Father draws, you can't come to him. Verse 33, this he said, signifying what death he should die. So what was the death? If I be lifted up, evidently, they understood that lifted up meant going to the cross. He signified what death he was going to die. Verse 34, the people answered him, 
we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? In other words, they understand this thing, crucifixion. Who is this Son of Man? Let's go to um, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. How do you... How do you live in this world? How do you get through it? How do you get through a year? How do you get through a month? How do you get through a day? How do you get through an hour? It's right here. I've said it so many times here. I'm going to say it again. James chapter 4, look at verse 6. It says, But he giveth more grace... Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So, one of the things required is humility. God will not make somebody believe. Think about it. He is all-powerful. He said, let there be light, and the whole world had light. Let the dry land appear, and all of a sudden, all the oceans came to their, you know, whatever spot they were going to be in, in the dry land. He said, let the stars, he said he made the stars. That's all he said. Millions, and I don't know, billions of stars. He made the stars. But yet, He will not force a person to believe. It is a freedom of choice. You choose, I choose. But He says, I give grace unto the humble, but I resist the proud. Verse 7, then He goes on. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now wait a minute, what do you do? First, you submit yourself to God. Then what do you do? Resist the devil. What will the devil do? He will flee from you. Why would the devil flee from you? Because the devil is so proud, the last thing he wants to see is a, is a Christian <clears throat> overcomer or a Christian that is resisting him. In other words, he doesn't want to be around. You resist him. He's like, I don't, want to, I don't want to be defeated. He's out of your life. It goes on. Verse 8. Here's the key. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. So, so again, what is the solution to life? God's, let's, say, let's say, you know, this is God right here. He doesn't move. What do I do? I need to draw nigh unto Him. What will He do? Draw nigh unto me. But you can't go, well, God, I'm going in this direction. You draw nigh unto me. I'm going this way. Keep coming this way. That isn't what the Bible says. The Bible says draw nigh unto God, and then He reciprocates by drawing nigh unto you. That's what life's all about. The more I draw nigh unto God, the more I'm able to live in this world with everything going on and still stay upbeat. I mean, I, I, do, I don't skip a beat. I, 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 don't, I look out there and I see it. I, I'm an accountant, CPA. I see the numbers. I see, you know, the intentional destruction of the country, the world. I just read this whole thing about Israel. Friends of mine went over to Israel. They tested, got on a plane, made it to Israel, and got tested again. All of them are fine. Then... They go over to Jordan, Petra, which most of us would do if you can go over there. <clears throat> Went over to Petra, 
had to be tested before they went to Petra. Then they have to stay in the hotel for at least four hours or more till they get the results. Then when you come out of Jordan, you've got to be tested to come back into Israel. Oops, a couple of them tested positive. False positives. They tested positive coming back in. They can't come back into Israel. Israel is almost 98% um, with a shot. And they have one of the worst problems with COVID of any country in the world. So these guys come back, try to come back. Two of them got to stay in Jordan, so the wife of the leader stays with them in Jordan. They can't, they can't make it back in the country. So then they're getting ready to get on the to get to the so they got to get to the hotel. They got to do another test, and no test can be used for more than one thing. So then, and who's who's making all the money on the test? Same people that made the vaccines. I mean, I'm just telling you, follow the money. This I just read this today, and I'm just I'm just dumbfounded because this is a literal story that just happened over the Easter time frame. So then they're getting on the plane. One of them can't make it on the plane. Tested positive for COVID. That's to be five days, and they got to test three times without a positive test. No symptoms. Not a one of them ever had a symptom. Asymptomatic. And yet, they can't get on the plane until they test again. So they, they finally, um, they, get, they, they can go into Jordan somehow. So they end, the two that are now stuck go into Jordan. Can you imagine if that was a little old lady? No husband? Because once you test positive, you have to be quarantined in a hotel with everybody else that tests positive. What a nightmare! But the whole thing is control the population. The whole thing with this, all of this is we're going to mask you up, useless. And we're going to give you a shot, give you a booster, and give you a booster, and get, because, because the government is out there to protect you. It was Ronald Reagan said the worst things you can hear is, I'm from the government, I'm here to uh, help you. Man, I'm telling you, listen, it is all about this control thing. Now, I don't care who gets a shot and who doesn't get a shot. I don't care who wears a mask, who doesn't wear a mask. The point is, my body, my choice. Isn't that what they say? Oh, that's what they're saying now because it's abortion. But boy, it wasn't your choice whenever it was the shot. It's not your choice about wearing a mask. But now it's your choice with abortion. Mm, what a mess. But, we, but listen, stay positive. Why should I get all... Listen, I, I, the, the biggest thing, two days before we flew to New York, no mask. Man, we were like, you know. I took a picture of us and you know, posted and said, man, maskless on the plane. What a blessing. And then we were up in New York and, and you come in the airport and it says mask required in, in LaGuardia Airport. And I took a picture of that, but it was like you know, 50% of the people didn't have a mask on. And 50% probably did, or maybe 25% had a mask on. But I mean, listen, it is amazing how much control... In two years' time, how things have changed. Can you imagine something that can shut down almost every church in the world? It's what they did. We shut down here Sunday or Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. The governor said we were essential. We opened back up. But that's because, listen, why did we shut down and go online only? Because we thought it was the responsible thing to do to do what? Flatten the curve. 
see, what's happening is my, my posts are coming back over from, from back when all this stuff started. <clears throat> so I'm able to read what I was thinking back then. Hey, this is why we're shutting down. I, I remember people asked me, can I come to church? I said, no. I said, if I let you in, i got to let everybody in. And, and right now we're trying to do the responsible thing. Once the governor said we were, we, were, we were okay, I called the police department and said, hey, we're opening back up. There's another we can do to stop you. He said, no, no, that's not what I mean. I just want to let you know we're going to do that. In other words, I was trying to be responsible. I'll tell you what I've told you again and again. We will never shut down again. Now, anybody can stay home, whoever wants to stay home, but we won't shut down. We'll take precautions. I mean, if there were certain, if there were a couple people in here that got it, hey, I would tell everybody. I had, I had somebody in one of my meetings at the Republican Club got it, and the eight days later I found out about it. He tested positive. I sent out an email and I said, hey, guy, one of the people tested positive. Take precautions. But he was, in, he was in somebody's car. He was at a table. Nobody else showed any symptoms but him. So, I mean, you don't know what to do. But what's the whole point? Do not let them get in here. Do not let it happen. Once they get in here, then they control you. They manipulate you. Don't be manipulated. It is so important to make sure that whatever you do, you've prayed about it, you're led by God, and you follow Him. And again, I don't care who gets the shot. I don't care who wears a mask. It's just an individual choice that you make. That's what it needs to be because that's what freedom is. And what they've done is they've gotten us conditioned to take away those freedoms. And then we sit there and go, well, nothing I can do about it. I've got people that rebuke me for ever wearing a mask. Now, I think they're wrong for saying that to me. I needed to fly. You know what I'm going to do at the time? I'm going to wear a mask. You know, I'm showing respect. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Anyway, back over here. I, I just feel like we've got to stay untouching all this stuff because every now and then, you know, I get the inkling we've we got, you know, we got all these people that are scared. And most of them have realized, look, there's no reason to be scared. But yet, it still happens. And we need to be responsible. You need to be smart. You need to be caring about others. And my rights don't mean that I can be in your face about whatever you do. But that's the opposite, too. Stay out of my grill. All right, look, at back, look back at John 12, verse 34. Or verse, let's just jump to, yeah, verse 34. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. They didn't understand the law also said, or the Old Testament said that he would die. And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Remember, Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he says, I'm leaving. Be you. you need to be the light of the world. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you, for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Jesus said, I am the light. He said it over and over again. I am the light, I am the light, I am the light. That's what we need to understand. Remember John the Baptist in John chapter 1, verse 6 through 9? The Bible says that John... Well, look at... Go ahead back. It's right there. John chapter 1. Let's look at John the Baptist and see what it says about him concerning the light. John chapter 1 talks about John the Baptist. Look at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came 
for a witness to bear witness of the light. Notice that capital L. That's the incarnated light. That all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now look at that. He lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. So that's what it says about the light. The light says, he lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Every man, every person, in your conscience, you know, you know right and wrong. You know, once you've reached that age of accountability, you ha- he, he lighteth every man. And you're looking for an answer. That's why religion is so prevalent. That's why, that's why you, have, you have a billion Muslims. Why? Because religion fills a void that Christ is supposed to fill. But they have a need. He lighteth every man, and they're like, wow, we gotta, we got to do this, or we got to do that. we got to follow Allah, and we got to pray to Him, and we got to dress this way. And if, if we blow up enough um, infidels, then, you know, we get 72 virgins in heaven. I mean, that's what's written in, in, in the writings of, of, of uh, Islam. Religion. Why? It fills a void. But Christianity and Christ is supposed to fill that void. What are you supposed to do? Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Look at verse 10. Ephesians 6.10. He starts off 6.10 with the word finally. So you would need to read all that before that to find out why he is saying finally. My brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Look at verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we're talking about the prince of the power of the air. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. What's wrong with Christians? They don't put on that armor. It it is a command. It is an instruction. It is something that you and I must choose to do. You don't put on the armor, you got no protection. You put on the armor of God, you are protected. Here's why you put on the armor of God. Look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our problem is not the government of the United States. Our problem is principalities and powers in high places behind the government or behind the individual. Look at what it says, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now I tell you, on your own power, you're not going to fight that. You put on the whole armor of God, you can. That armor is protective. There's only one offensive weapon in that armor, and that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Everything else is defensive. Look, We're going to read what, the, what that armor is here in a second, right now. He says, verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Look at verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You know how you quench the fiery darts of the wicked? That's darts that are dashed at you. You What I was just talking about. You know what that stuff is? That's fiery darts. How do you withstand those fiery darts that are shot at you? The shield of faith. That which is not a faith is sin. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You could go on and on and on about faith. Faith is crucial. Your faith is crucial. Yes, you got the faith of Jesus Christ. I won't go into that. But you also have personal faith. So above all, above all those things we just looked at, take, take the uh, shield of faith. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. <clears throat> the only, and, and listen, even the sword is a defensive weapon. But that shield of faith, above all, take that shield of faith. If you have faith, you can make it. If you don't have faith, you won't last any time whatsoever, whenever the, whenever the road gets rough. You'll bail. You'll say, hey man, I, I, I can't take this. i, I got to quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. I always say, you know, hey, you quit, they, Jesus comes back. Man, you go and you go and you go and you go and you, and you persevere and you fight and you go. And then one day you say, well, you know, I, I'm just tired. Boy, that'd be a shame. That'd be a shame. You want to fight this thing? Put on the whole armor of God. Above all, shield of faith. Take the sword of the Spirit. That means you learn your Bible. You study your Bible. You read your Bible. That Bible, first time I read it through, it was tough. I, I, I just, I, I probably daydreamed, I probably didn't focus, and I read through that Bible, man, it was just, <clears throat> it, was, it was just, I wasn't there, because I was told to read through it. <clears throat> that second time I read through it, I couldn't go five verses without going, glory, hallelujah, why? The second time I read it, because I wanted to. I was in Bible college. Second time I read it, not because I was told to do it, but because I wanted to read through it. And it was a totally different book because of that. Going back to John chapter 12, and we'll wrap this up. Talking about that light in verse 35. You know, 1 John 2.11 says, He that hateth his brother walketh in darkness. Because we're talking about that light and that dark. Verse 36, and we'll close on this. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide Himself from them. Look at verse 46. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on Me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear My words and believe not, I judge him not, For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Verse 48, He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last days. You know what's going to judge? It's going to be the Bible. That's what's going to judge you. 
You don't want to be judged that way? Believe the book. Do what it says. Study it. Live it. Love it. And it'll be all right. Let's all stand together. Do remember to pray for Jan as um, she's got that problem. She's on her way to Pensacola, probably there by now. But do pray for her. Pray for Miss Millie and all the others. Pray for Debbie. She's got some things coming up. Barbara, I know she mentioned the dentist appointment. Larry, how are you doing? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Still got the pain? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, just pray for each other. Just pray for each other. And uh, so many others too. But let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for many blessings. We just ask that you guide, lead, and direct in all things. Lord, we love you. And we just uh, need to draw nigh unto you. You'll draw nigh unto us. Resist the devil. Flee from us. Lord, thank you for all those promises. We know they're true. We've experienced and many of us have. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. With your head bowed and eyes closed, the music plays for a moment. Time of reflection. (laughs) 